Oh, hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Terrible. Um, so I never realized how mission critical it would be to learn how to smize. Smize. Well, like from, uh, pro- what is that? Not Project Runway, the America's, America's Next Top Model, Next right? Like yeah, smile with banks. your eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like she was um, preparing us for... A pandemic, and now I'm like this menacing presence when I go out to CVS in my mask because I didn't ever practice oh, my smize. Yeah, and I want to show people that I'm not a monster, but I I can't communicate in that way. I feel like I have resting bitch eye face. <laughs> yeah, I was at a convenience store and there was a big sign up at every till that says "Behind my mask, I'm smiling." Yeah. Like, if you have to say it, like, no, show it with your eyes. <laughs> show it with your eyes, but I can't do it. It's, uh, who would it's ever beyond, guess? It's beyond It's beyond me. our capabilities. Okay, let's talk about all of that. This is Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is No. My sign is No. My number is No. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, so one of the few good things that's come out of this whole nonsense is that I am spending like no money. I checked my, I got my credit card statement like the second month in a row, and it is 20% of what it normally is for a Mine too. Month. It's like all groceries, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I don't eat, I, I mean, there's no restaurants, no bars, no, per, no retail entertainment, purchases. No tickets. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like random Amazon purchases for like $14.99 once a week. Like yeah. that, that's all it is. Well, I have a story to tell you about something that happened this week because just when you uh, when I don't really need a credit card, I found an extra one. One just um, comes into your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> one leaves your life, another comes in. One door closes. And so opens. Doug, Doug, <laughs> Doug, and I were at, uh, for a walk on Sunday, and I was walking around like the Lower East Side, and what should catch my eye on the ground but a credit card. And I have it here. I'm holding it up to the camera. So oh, you can Chase see it Sapphire. The zoo. Yeah, this is a fancy card. It's like a, you know, it's a hefty card. It's a Chase Sapphire Preferred, which is like an Amex Platinum yes. or a gold, right? And I picked it up and I said, oh, this must be like some expired nonsense or whatever. And or like one of those fake cards they send you that isn't really a card. It's like a, for demonstration purposes only. But no. It's a real card with a real name on it that I'm not going to read here to protect the innocent. And sure enough, on the back, there's a number. And I said, well, it must be expired. But no, it's good until November 2023. Wow. I'm like, this is a real live active this card. This is like free money. This is basically a free credit line. I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? The possibilities a, are endless. A, I could be taking out a home equity line of credit on this guy's apartment on Hester Street. So um, my first instinct, like I'm in a panic because I feel like I'm in possession of something so truly valuable. And I'm like, should I call the Chase number on the back? And I said, but if I was him, I'd be really bummed if someone like canceled my card and it was I actually had it for him. So I decided I had a mission to track this guy's down. And, and all I have is his name and possibly where he lives. Um, so of course I Google him and it's not it's not an uncommon name. It's not a very common name. So I, it turns out that he's a digital media designer. Okay. And, um, I, you know, there's like a form for the email. And I'm like, I'm not sending him a form email. So, duh, I decided to look him up on Insta. So I do. And sure enough, there's a guy that fits his name and just atmospherically seems like it would be him. You know how that is. And then, believe it or not, this guy, his photos 
I, I guess the only word I could use is Adonis. So he is half naked in all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like jacked. He's like obviously gay with his boyfriend or husband. All the pictures of like partying on Fire Island. But he is like, his body is just like drop dead gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, I need to now DM him. And suddenly I have like butterflies in my stomach. Like who am I to be? This is very exciting. <laughs> DMing this extremely hot man. <laughs> well, you have something that he needs. I know. I have leverage here. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and I said, look, if we were both single, which we're not, this would be a great rom-com meet cute, right? Yes. You find might have even card. done it on purpose to find That's a, what I, who a good knows? man. Who knows? Who knows? I, he, I may have conjured him. Right. <laughs> so I, I start to compose this DM to him. And I must have stopped and started it like three times because I'm so nervous. I'm like, no, this sounds too matter of fact. No, this sounds too flirty. No, this sounds like I'm trying to pick him up when all I'm trying to say is, hey, dude, I found your credit card. Why so, didn't you just say that? <laughs> that's what I did eventually. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And um, he writes back shortly thereafter, and he says, thanks so much. Oh, and I said, uh, if you want to get back, I'm in Tribeca. You could just come by and pick it up. And I realized, ooh, does that sound like an invitation? Um, And so he gets back to me. He says, yeah, that's probably mine, but can you send me a picture? Because I just cleaned out my apartment, and I might have thrown it out. Like, okay. So then I'm like, is it safe to send a picture of a credit card over Insta? So before my mind fully processes this, I DM back to him, send me your phone number so I can text it to you. And then I realized, like, there is no difference between, like, sending a picture by DM and sending it by text. And it looked like I was just asking for his phone number. number. Yeah. Yeah. And then I immediately said, never mind, I'll send it here. So I do send it. And then he writes back, finally, this is the last thing. He goes... Oh yeah, never mind. Uh, I threw it out, and uh, someone uh, someone must have gone through my garbage and tried to use it. Who the fuck throws out a not expired credit card without, without shredding, shredding it, it, shredding it, and like leaves it out on the street? And he was so nonchalant about it. <laughs> What is this guy's problem? This this person is reckless. I think it's when you're that hot, you just think the world bows at your feet, and like, and it does. Throw away a credit card, it did. I spent my I spent half my I spent half my Sunday trying to figure out how to compose a direct message to him. All right, (laughs) okay, that's my that was my excitement for the weekend. Yes. Okay. Um. Well, my excitement for the week was I got a lot of email. When I say a lot, I mean like three emails from <laughs> listeners about Alison Roman, that um, New York Times food writer whose column was suspended last week because she insulted Chrissy Teigen. Um, and the and whole we thing, talked about it for the last we three weeks. We talked about it for three consecutive weeks. It, it seemed so overblown. And here we are. And who knew? It it keeps going. So um, I have to step back and confess that um, I was processing the story as it happened as a person who didn't know who Alison Roman 
even was before the quarantine in the times before the shallot pasta went viral and became the number one thing to cook at home amid the pandemic. So I hope um, everyone will forgive me because I was unaware of Allison's long and uh, complicated history of recipe appropriation. Oh, she's an appropriator. She's an appropriator. So one of the emails I got was from a, a prominent food writer. I cannot name this person, but I'm bowled over that they are a listener <laughs> and took the time to write such a nuanced and I'm bowled over that email. anyone is a listener. I know, okay. really. <laughs> we have like the best listeners. So this listener wanted to explain to me and the non-food writers of the world that there's more here than meets the eye when it comes to Alison Roman, saying, quote, there's a bizarre thing happening where cooks and food writers who've been watching Allison riff for years on long existing recipes and then shear them of their contexts and histories and repackage them as the product of her persona and lifestyle. Well, we were half relieved to have her found out. So this has been brewing for a while in the food community, and she's finally getting her comeuppance. Um, like there's this vegetarian recipe that she made that became a huge sensation. It became known as The Stew, capital T, capital S. But <laughs> it was really just like an Indian curry, and she denied that it was a curry. And shallot pasta is this thing called bigoli and salsa, which Italians in the North have been making for as long as they've had onions <laughs> and pasta, this food writer told me. So and basically, she she um, she gave a recipe for macaroni and cheese, claimed it as her own, and neglected to mention that it's been an American family favorite for over 100 years. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so this person said, sure, you can add some tomato paste and claim credit, but it's basically a shitty thing to do. Because instead of crediting the long culinary tradition that influenced you, you're swallowing it up. So in conclusion, <laughs> while I, I still maintain that Alison Roman should not have been suspended for the Chrissy Teigen comment, taking credit for traditional recipes and stripping them of context and meaning is absolutely not cool. And I hope that she comes out of this crisis with a renewed appreciation for the chefs who came before her. And that is all we can do is hope for rehabilitation. <laughs> we're, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> standing and, on the sh yes. <laughs> and all that said, Alison Roman, if you're out there and you hear this, you are welcome to be a guest on this show. We would love to, to have you. Your, we'll, and so, we'll take I just, <laughs> so I just want to say thanks for all the feedback. We always appreciate it no matter what. And now we could we can move on to the nopes. Let's do the nopes. So um this weekend, also this weekend, the same weekend where I found a credit card, I was reading the New York Post, as I do every Sunday, and what caught my eye but a feature about a new uh, series – actually, no, it was the second series of a show that's on TLC um, about moms and daughters who were, like, way too close, and it's called Smothered. Um, and it's got a lowercase s and all caps, MOTHERED! So it's oh. like, is MOTHERED, but they're smothered. Very clever, actually. Um, and there were plenty of examples, like sensational examples in it, and I sent it to you. Uh, and I said, this is fine. This is obviously a nope. I can talk about this article, or I could actually watch the show. Yeah, you were like, who is going to watch this? You? And I was like, you. <laughs> Jinx, no, you watch it. <laughs> It's a bridge too far. <laughs> if we were in the same place, we would have watched it together. But no, yes. we cannot we cannot have nice things. No. So, <laughs> so um, first, the rabbit hole it sent me down was first I had to go find it on demand. And I had to figure out it was on TLC. And you remember when TLC stood for the Learning Channel? Yeah. 
Well, un- an unintended consequence of looking for Smothered on on demand is that I got to see some of the other shows that TLC has. And I knew it had gotten kind of crap- crappy, but I didn't know it had gotten this crappy. Do you know that there is a whole series? There's one about z- a, a zip zit-popping doctor. That's all they do? They just pop zits? Yes, I know about this. Yes, there Dr. Is a Pimple s- Popper, yeah. Okay, I knew it was like a viral. I didn't know there was a TV show about them. I didn't know and, that either. <laughs> right, I knew I, there was like I a YouTube that, that kids, <laughs> kids are obsessed with, right. Um, well, it's an actual show. There's a surgeon, and their only thing is they get rid of excess skin for people who have lost a lot of weight. Okay. Like, that's their job, and they have a show. And we all know there was a show called, like, My 600-Pound Life. Yeah. But now they have a show called My 1,000-Pound Life, which oh. is, <laughs> so like, the sequel. But judging <laughs> from the cover art, it looks like the 1,000-Pound Life might actually be two 500-pound twins. So it's oh, unclear. Oh, that's a yeah, wrinkle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twist. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so I finally found it. I, I hunkered down to watch it. And I was expecting, just based on this article, that it would be a standard nut job reality show on a nut job channel um, of all these people. So sure enough, it began to deliver right from the first scene. There was the story of Mary and Brittany, age 55 and 19, who shower together. And there is a scene of them showering together and scrubbing each other's backs and privates, presumably. Uh, keeping up on the theme of hygiene, there was uh, Angelica and Sunte who used the same bath water. It was unclear if they're in the bath at the same time or if just one bathes, gets out, and the other one uses their bath water. Are um, they like environmentalists? No, I think they're just like <laughs> codependent. Conservationists? Okay. <laughs> they're conservationists. Right. And um, the younger one, the daughter, has a boyfriend named Jason, and she decides to tear away controversially for a few hours from her mom to go to get a pedicure with her boyfriend, Jason. And the mom is so up in arms and furious that... That the daughter dared to go somewhere without her, that she used her, like, find my iPhone to track her down. And she's like, she's at a nail salon. What is she doing at a nail salon? And she shows up and, like, bursts in and is like, how dare you? And sits down and, like, gets a pedicure next to them and, like, gulps a mimosa. <laughs> she's like, I'm putting my foot down and getting a pedicure. <laughs> with you guys. But then this is the worst one. So there's a mother and a daughter named Marsha and Elena. And Elena, at first, so she seems a little girlish, like a little baby, babyish. Um, and the first scene you see is Elena is sleeping, tucked into bed, and Marsha, the mom, comes in and licks her awake, like she literally, like like a cat, in her sleep, like pounces on her and goes, <laughs> "Wake up!" These are human mothers. <laughs> These are real human animals. <laughs> They're yes. not animals. Okay. And then the daughter goes, "I love it when my mama licks me." And then mom goes, "I couldn't get her a puppy, so I turned into a doggy." And then oh they God, chase no. each other around the table and they just shout, I'm going to get you. Like, you remember when uh, AJ and Liam were in Duck and they yeah. chased each other around the whole house a million times going, I'm going to get you. I'm going to yeah. get you. Difference is they were like four and six. But how old are these people? Like like 24 <laughs> and 60. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You're with me so far. Yes. And Elena and Marsha, these two that I just described, they basically look like identical twins. Um, And you're like, I don't know, maybe that's part of their bond. 
this is where it starts getting really dark and deeply disturbing. So it turns out that Elena, the daughter, is actually <laughs> from Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> she was adopted from Siberia. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and then here's where it gets really sad and dark. It turns out that what I've just been mocking her for, her babyish demeanor, in fact, she has a rare enzyme disorder. And her mom saved her life and adopted her. And she said, that's why I love my mom so much, which was then super sweet. And then the other one with the the mom who chased the daughter down at the pedicure. So you see sort of like a few acts with them. And then in the third act, they bury the lead. <laughs> the mom says, Brittany was a... Uh, a child uh, pageant star. She won more than 200 crowns. <laughs> and then, this is dark. So I'm laughing, not at the substance of what I'm about to say, but in the deeply disturbing context in which it is presented. She says she was like a child. I don't even want to know. Okay, go. Queen. Until at age four, she sprouted pubic hair from her face. <laughs> Which I'm not laughing at. It sounds terrible. And she said, and she has a rare genetic disorder that causes this. So they both and have I realized, enzyme disorders? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I realized what's terrible. I thought the nope was going to be these people in the show. But the nope is TLC for exploiting these like terribly like challenged people who have overcome all kinds of odds and probably as a reasonable psychological distortion as a result of that have become very close to their mothers. Oh my god. I mean, I hope that they are well compensated for this. They have to be. Or not at all. I mean, a lot of people just want attention. Oh god. No, no. It's terrible. A, well, a, no, this is a no. I can't believe you watched this. How many episodes did you watch? Just one? I watched one. Okay. And it's the second and it season. it has all of these different people in it? Yes, there's like four plot lines and then the during the coming this coming this season in smothered there was one where the daughter is pregnant and the mom gave birth in a car and she wants her daughter to give birth the same way so they try to arrange for her to give birth in a car no but she no, can't get to the car not, so she gives that birth can't on be the real. street i don't believe that, that is... wait you mean a reality show is not actually real <laughs> That's insane. These characters, though, you couldn't make them up. Okay, so I came in thinking I was going to give a nope to the characters in the show, but no, I give a nope, nope to, to the, the show network. itself, to the yeah. producers, to the networks. This is disgusting. You should not be making fun of these people, nor should we. Nope. Nope. Shut it down. Not. Okay. All right. So um, that's the, that's the last one I'll ever watch. You're welcome to take up pick up the mantle from here. <laughs> okay. No, I will not be watching that. But I do have a wolf package. <laughs> Wait. That's what he said. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have, uh, yes. I don't even know. I think that's okay. that was on my that was on my guy's Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> One of his captions. Well, okay. So remember we talked about that couple that was marooned at a five star resort in the Maldives because they yeah. chose to go on their honeymoon in mid March, right before everything shut down. Yes. Okay. Well, this story is kind of like that, but it's so much worse. Um, so the Orquesta Experimental de oh, Instrumentos no. Wait, Nativos. again with the Italian. Again with the Italian. No, it's this Spanish. Is... Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Orquesta Experimental de Instrumentos Nativos, which is our finest living Bolivian pan flute orchestra. <laughs> They've been stuck in Berlin for more than two months in a 15th century castle that is surrounded by wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are there wolves roaming the streets of Berlin? You've been there? Is that a problem? I don't know. But maybe this is like in sort of like an offshoot area where there's in a, wolves. In a leafy in a leafy suburb riddled with wolves. Yes. So this unlike the couple in the Maldives, this was not a frivolous honeymoon trip. These are professional musicians who came to Berlin for work to perform at a music festival, and now they're trapped behind a moat, literally, with wolves <laughs> tracking their every move. There's 20- how, did you, how are you telling this story without looking into the why there are wolves here? Okay. We cannot proceed with this story until we know why there are wolves. I don't know geographically where this castle is. It's like a castle, so it must it be in like, like not in Bavarian central Berlin. Far right, it's, it's got to be in the, the black like in the forest. woods somewhere. It's probably like the, the the castle's probably like a resort hotel, right? Something like that. I don't know. Right. There's but there, so there's <laughs> twenty three packs of wolves in the surrounding area. Twenty three packs, not twenty three. <laughs> they wolves. know. They know. And and if that wasn't bad enough. The 600-acre estate is said to be haunted by the ghost of Frederick the Great, (laughs) the king of Prussia. (laughs) This is too good. Were there there 20 to 40 feral pigs? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like that, right? But so, like, what's going on is that Germany is slowly reopening right now, but Bolivia's borders are still shut tight. So these poor pan flautists are shit out of luck, and they're hanging around this castle just practicing all day long, and then they'll take an occasional Wait. walk, and they're, like, followed by wolves. Wait, is it like the Pied Piper? They're yes. like, the wolves are drawn to the lilting tunes of the pan flout. Maybe that, maybe like they drew them in. Yes. <laughs> maybe there's like 23 They're... members of the orchestra and 23 packs of wolves. <laughs> One pack per per flute. <laughs> One flute for each pack. <laughs> Wait, I want to know, is there like now going to be a, like a, a foreign policy problem between Bolivia and Germany? Is there going to be like think... an a, ambassadorial kerfuffle or something? I, I think there ought to be. If there's not, then Bolivia like is not Get your doing shit together, job. Bolivia. Get your really? people out of there. Really? So, but like the thing is the wolves are scary and they're, they're afraid to walk around because of them. But the ghost of Frederick the Great is even <laughs> scarier. <laughs> so one of the members of the orchestra told the BBC <laughs> that they think that Frederick's ghost is following them and trying to trip them up at practice. And the person said, I usually that's the, don't. That's the, that's the ghost mischief. <laughs> He's trying to make them trip up in their pan fluting. <laughs> The horror. The horror. That's and a pretty, why? <laughs> like, what's his motivation? Like, what's his backstory other than being the king of Prussia? <laughs> Where he had always taken an unusual interest in Bolivian pan flutes. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> the perfect prey stumbled into his trap, into his lair. <laughs> what better way? I will scare them, and then I will unleash 23 packs of wolves. 
That's what to, he keep, did. to keep them from escaping. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Frederick the Great is like Bran Stark or something. He's like merged. He's like merged with a dire wolf or something. Yeah, like, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's as plausible as so, anything else in this story. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I say nope to Bolivia. You were right, Brian. I, get your nation's pen flautists home. This is an abomination. Get them yeah. Get them back. Pro- protect your assets. Airlift them. Do the, you know, they had the, they did the Berlin airlift. Get the Bolivian airlift. Right. Get them home. These people need to come home. This is ridiculous. Remember um, the troops. So there's more in wolf news um, this week. <laughs> Only on this podcast is that a transition. So, in, in, other, in other wolf news. <laughs> so the New York Times, um, Reporter Alexandra Alter, who I know very well, is a good friend of mine. We we sat next to each other for years at the Wall Street Journal. She had this insane story about a genre of literature called wolf kink erotica. Wolf kink, yes. Yes. And her story centers on a legal battle between two authors with pen names, Addison Kane and Zoe Ellis, who wrote similar works of fiction. And uh, I'm just going to tell you some of the similarities in these uh, stories. (laughs) So in both books, alpha men are overpowered by the scent of Omega heroines and take them hostage. In both books, the women try to suppress their pheromones and ultimately give in to the urge to mate with the alphas. In both books, the couples sniff, purr, and growl. (laughs) They nest in den-like enclosures. They neck bite to leave claim marks. And they experience something called nodding, which involves a peculiar feature of the wolf phallus. So... Given those similarities, you'd think, how could both of these people come up with these ideas (laughs) independently, right? Yes, well, I mean, are those like, okay, go ahead. I'll let you finish. (laughs) (laughs) One must be copying the other, right? It's an open and shut case. But no. There is a whole world out there called the Omegaverse, and it's a fan fiction world that has its own peculiar tropes, and both of these authors borrowed from this smorgasbord of fanfic that nobody really owns because it's like open source content. And <laughs> so it's, it's on GitHub. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just out there, right? So, <laughs> it's, so on the block, it's on the blockchain. It's on the blockchain. <laughs> it, it cannot be changed. <laughs> so, so the Omegaverse, um, it emerged about a decade decade ago when um, devotees of the CW drama Supernatural began writing fanfic about the two lead male actors uh, being lovers. So one would be the dominant alpha male and the other man was a feminized Omega with the ability to become impregnated, which it became a trope known as M-Preg. Okay. M-Preg, okay. So then, of course, canine and then lupine sex stuff got mixed in as the genre evolved, which is the natural progression <laughs> of, of things, I, I suppose. I don't know. It's a species spreading. There must be some Darwinian term for that. Right, right. So so Addison Kane, one of the two authors, she insisted that her that um Zoe Ellis's books were too similar to her own and that Zoe's books need to be removed from retailers. So what happens here is that Addison and her publisher these are real books in retail, these aren't like Kindle singles that are for free or on No, Reddit no, or these something? are real books with publishers. These books made hundreds of thousands of dollars for these authors. <laughs> like this is like a lucrative subgenre. 
the emotion. Okay. Omega sub, verse. Sub sub Wolf genre. Kink, but yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so they so they exploited this twenty two year old law, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which you're very familiar with, DMCA, and got retailers to remove the Wolf Kink books from Zoe Ellis. And then Zoe Ellis's reputation as a Wolf Kink writer was tarnished <clears throat> because the only thing worse than being a Wolf Kink writer is being a plagiarist Wolf Kink. <laughs> Wait, why writer. did Zoe why was Zoe Ellis the plagiarist? Why wasn't the other one the plagiarist? How did because they determine? The, the she could have been the the other one was the one who alerted the retailers first, basically. Oh, it's like um, okay. So so the, that hardly seems fair. Yeah, right. So Zoe's publisher sued Addison Kane for defamation, seeking one point two five million dollars in damages. Um, and so the the whole story is really fascinating beyond just the wolf kink genre. Basically, authors of all types have been using the DMCA to stifle competition from other authors of similar work. Um, you know, and, and it's it's like under the act, individuals or companies can send takedown notices to retailers as long as they have a quote good faith belief that their work has been infringed, <clears throat> and the retailers are protected from being named in lawsuits. If they remove the material. Right. So there's a, the system's rife with abuse. Like what could possibly go wrong here? Right. right? Anyone um, could claim a good faith belief in anything and there's no way to back that up. Right. And then your, once your, your work has been taken down, you lose all those sales. It, it's horrible. So, um, so she gives these examples that are insane. Like in 2018, there was this self-published romance author named Felina Hopkins who registered a trademark for the word cocky and sent DMCA <laughs> infringement notices to other romance romance authors who use the word in their titles. And so Amazon temporarily removed some books, including her cocky firefighters and her cocky <laughs> doctors. And I just want to know what her cocky we are, doctors we are, was about. We are cheaper. We are we are less as a culture for not having her cocky doctors <laughs> in active publication. In print I wish right I could now. read it now. It sounds like just what I'm looking I'm for. Sure there's so- I'm sure there's Sama's Dot somewhere. You could track down an out-of-print copy from eBay. I will. And maybe we'll have an update <laughs> next week. Her cocky Her doctor. Cocky doctor. I need to know. I need to know. So, nope to the Omegaverse and Wolf no. Kink. I think one Wolf Kink novel is too many. Nope to Cocky Doctors. Nope to Mpreg. Nope to exploiting the DMCA to stifle your competitors. Life yeah, that's a good. Enough. That's a good law. That's a good law. Why are they abusing it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that a good law? Support each know. other. <laughs> like life is hard enough for writers. So wolf, I don't know. Wolf Kink writers unite. You know, don't <laughs> tear you, each other Alex. down. Sandra for sharing this story. It, I uncovered a corner of the world I, I'd never expected okay. to see. Okay. So. Nope. 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 Okay. Um, I think people who listen to this all the time will remember we used to talk about Donald Trump all the time, and then we basically just stopped talking about him because it only feeds the frenzy. We all know what he's going to say. We shouldn't be shocked by anything, and we're just kind of yelling into the echo chamber and, and vomiting. Note, we can't like we just can't we take can't it stop anymore. vomiting. We wouldn't be able to complete the podcast anymore. <laughs> we would just be. A, it's just a, gotten to a point be where it's too much. The final ten minutes of like a, a sound effect recording of us vomiting. Yeah, um, we need to like. <laughs> Take our mental health into consideration. So in that note, and in the interest of time, we are going to do a thing about Trump's tweets about calling Hillary Clinton a skank and Joe Scarborough a murderer and the fact that Twitter is now 
asking people to get the facts, which leads to a basically a Wikipedia page about resources and links. But I think we shouldn't talk about that, and we should go right into the pressing issue of the moment, which is Central Park Karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I will just say one thing about Twitter putting like a notice saying, like, get the facts about yes. elections. Um this is these notices do not go far enough. Like they need to say this is fucking nonsense. It's like it's why do like they have, have to print them at all? Can't they just block? Just them? take it just down. Like Kara Swisher said, take it down. Just take down those tweets. They're misinformation. Yeah. They should not be up. It's like it's like having Adolf Hitler tweet. We need to murder all the Jews. And Twitter is signing a little label below it saying, "Learn <laughs> more about religion." Like <laughs> learn more about the Jews. <laughs> like I, no, this is like nonsense. Okay, so. So anyway, okay. Don't 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 hate Vela. We know whatever. Don't, no Hitler comparisons. I got it. But oh, whatever. <laughs> I, I think it's fine here. It's fine. I I'm, I stand behind my words. Okay. So I want to talk about Central Park Karen. Um, there we was all a, want to, We all want to talk about Central Park Karen right now. Yes, of, everyone's talking about moment. Central Park Karen. She's Even a moment. My yeah. sister who lives in Berlin. And her husband, who's German, are talking about Central Park Care. And this story has transcended the United States. Um, so there was a viral video that was just horrific of this white woman threatening a black man that she was going to call the police on him and tell the police that a black man was assaulting her just because this guy asked her to put her dog on a leash in an area of the park where there's a sign that says dogs must be leashed at all times. So... The woman then calls the police as this man films her, and she starts getting increasingly hysterical that she's being assaulted by this guy who is literally doing nothing. All the while, she's... Is he like a, he's like a bird watcher. He's a birder. He was just like there to watch <laughs> birds and not be attacked by unleashed dogs. Not be a and racial instigator. <laughs> seriously. And so this woman is the whole time she's on the phone with the police, she's like strangling her dog. She's like pulling the dog by its collar and the dog is it's just so many levels of horrible it's hard to watch and um, it's been good to see that there have been consequences for this woman who has subsequently been identified as Amy Cooper um, she's been fired from her job as head of investment solutions or something like that at Franklin <laughs> Templeton and her dog was actually taken away from her um, and everyone's now calling her a Karen. But as I mentioned, her name is not Karen. It is Amy <laughs> it is Cooper. Amy. <laughs> and the pejorative term Karen, um, it just keeps coming up lately. There's like a new Karen born every day. And it's it's kind of <laughs> there, over. There probably is actually a new Karen born. Every, not <laughs> anymore. Is. Like in the 60s and 70s, maybe. But that's maybe. the thing. No, right. No more. That's no more Karens. It's kind of overtaken Becky as the front runner to connote like basic entitled white person and um according to vox the karen stereotype is limited mainly to white women women in their 30s and 40s and the archetypal karen is blonde has multiple young kids and is usually an anti-vaxxer karen has a can i speak to the manager haircut and a controlling <laughs> superior attitude to go along with that's it. amazing can i speak to the manager haircut? <laughs> yes that's a great you know you know exactly who you're talking about about here. So so Amy Cooper by this definition is most definitely a Karen. Um and you know, I don't know what to say. Like some people are just monsters and this punishment fits the crime. Um you know, and Amy Cooper could have gotten this man killed. Um but 
I just keep thinking about the Karens who are not Karens, right? So, <laughs> like, what about them? <laughs> well, I think we know we know a Karen very well who is we not a Karen. We Karen, know um, a Karen Novak, our executive producer. And so I reached out to her um, to find out what it's like to be a Karen in the time in the of Karen. age of Karens. <laughs> <laughs> and she responded right away. She said she's really glad that I asked. And... Um, <laughs> At first, she said she feels like she's too old to fit the Karen model, but now she's stuck in this conundrum because if she questions the whole Karen thing, she feels like people will say to her, okay, boomer. So, like, <laughs> she's like... She's betwixt and between. Yeah, she's like, caught between two dumb memes and she can't win. <laughs> it's like Scylla and Charybdis. It's the... It's the <laughs> Very 2020 problem. Caught yeah, I between know, memes. I so she provided a statement, and I'm going to read it. <laughs> Karen Novak provided a statement. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she said, "Is it on PR? Is it on PR Newswire?" <laughs> no, it's just for it's just for this podcast. Exclusive. It's an exclusive. It's, it's an exclusive. She said, "Quote: If you want to characterize people, use your words." Every generation <laughs> sneers at generations above them. Don't trust anyone over 30. Okay, boomer. And when you reduce everyone to a stereotype, it is tiresome. So, I and don't I know. know. Karen, there is no worth in th- insult than being tiresome. That yes, is, those that are is, sharp yeah. words from Karen. Okay. Yeah. So, nope to Amy Cooper. Nope to painting all Karens with the same brush. We must distinguish between good Karens and bad Karens. Or just let them be Karens. Let them, let's not, let's not, <laughs> let Karen be Karen. Let Karens be Karen. Like Karen Pence is a Karen. Um, but, but, and also, she, like, what have the Amys ever done for us? Amy Cooper. No. Like, the Amys have done nothing for Just us. Just let her be an Amy. Let her be I an Amy. Amy, <laughs> who's a, who are Amy? Amy Sedaris, she's cool. She is cool. Amy Schumer is cool. Cool. Yeah, a lot of cool comedians named Amy, except this one. Except she's not a comedian. But <laughs> but I will say, speaking of Amy's, um, there was this other story that got a lot of buzz this week on a website called The Lily. And the headline was, um, with no child care or summer camps, women are being edged out of the workforce. Okay, that's true. And it sucks. Um, but the article focuses on this startup founder named Amy, whose husband was so <laughs> overwhelmed. <Amy. laughs> she didn't give her last name. I wouldn't either if this was me. Her husband was so overwhelmed by caring for their three-year-old son amid the quarantine that he quit after three days. By the way, this guy was a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> and he hey, quit. Wait. <laughs> what did he... What was his alternate career choice? Watching ESPN? Yes. Like, what? <laughs> yes. He just couldn't handle it without, like, childcare. He's a stay-at-home dad who always had childcare. I see. So he wasn't equipped. So he just brought back the nannies, probably. So no, no. Amy decided that she had no choice but to dissolve the company she founded and lay off all 13 (gasps) of her employees so that she could stay married to this asshole. Oh, my God. Yes. I have to say, I question Amy's priorities, however. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean she's an in Amy. this case, Amy Amy's is being, Amy. That's, that's so Amy. <laughs> she's, a, she's a Karen. <laughs> Amy, you're such a Karen. <laughs> and the, all the Amys are Karens. That's the thing. That's Let the Karens <laughs> off the hook. 
<laughs> There's Nicole. like a Venn diagram of like Amy's and Karen's. No, it's like a flow chart. It's like a Gantt chart. It's like, <laughs> okay, no. Babe. Okay, so no, 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 Amy, no Karen. Karen. Um, no. Yes to the real Karen's, no to the meme Karen's. So, yeah. okay, nope, okay. nope, nope. Okay, those are the end of our nopes. Now we're up to the yups. These are the little rays of light, little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Uh, Rachel, it's your turn. Okay, great. So um, my yup goes to a guy named Isaac Calpito, who has been anointed the fitness instructor of the quarantine. Um, He does these torched workouts. That's T-O-R-C-H apostrophe D. Oh, like um, like smothered. It's yeah. Like everything's got in his. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's um he does it on Instagram Live every day at eleven from his at Isaac Boots handle. I'll link to it in the show notes. And he's just got the energy we need right now. He's funny. He's upbeat, and the workout is really really hard. And it has great music. And I started doing these workouts a few weeks ago when I saw Jessica Chastain tweeting about it. I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. I trust Jessica Chastain, you know? <laughs> With all of your physical She's fitness needs. Beautiful body. <laughs> so it was great. Um, and I told everyone about the torched workout, including Katie Rossman, who is a friend of Nope, has been a guest on the podcast. And Katie loved the workout so much that she profiled Isaac in the New York Times. Um, oh. Yesterday. oh, I didn't realize. I saw I saw it. I thought you got the idea from that, but it's the other way around. It's the other way around. So now I am officially a fitfluencer and <laughs> I can retire, you know? And this guy's background is incredible. Um, I'll link to Katie's story, but just like briefly, he was a cast member in Mama Mia on Broadway. He was a choreographer for Ariana Grande and he was a trainer for Faye Dunaway. Oh, who knew that Faye Dunaway had a trainer? I mean, seriously, if you can <laughs> do no that, you can honor. do anything. <laughs> so, and Lisa Rinna does it every day. And like Ramona Singer was on the other day. And she was like commenting from Avery Singer's handle. And I think Ramona and Avery should be on Smothered, actually. Yes, yes. Because Ramona was saying these very inappropriate comments from Avery's handle. It was like, my Ugh. ass is so tight. And then like... Avery was probably like, Mom, that's my account, you know? And so Ramona's like, oh, sorry, this is Ramona. And I was except like, on is- sm- Except on Smothered, they wouldn't be, Mom, that's my account. It would be like, oh, Mom, can you post some more? It's so funny. Oh, okay, Because they love each other too much. Okay. Yeah. So, yup okay. to Isaac Culpito. Very good. I have a very different yup. It goes to, uh, every week is the Science Times section of the New York Times. And I read it on paper like an old person. And um, it is the forgotten Times section. There is no buzz around the Science Times. But there should be. Very rarely does anyone ever say, oh, my God, did you see that amazing piece in the Science Times? But it is, in fact, the best section of the Science Times ever. There is such an interesting diversity of articles. There are some ones that are highbrow about, like, astrophysics, but then also some, like, the Living Well column where you learn about exercise and fitness and things like that. And if everybody just took a moment to actually read the Science Times at a time when nobody seems to care about science, we would all be better for it. And it's also extremely interesting. And I just have to say that in my eighth grade science class, we got, like, complimentary, like, school copies of the New York Times each Tuesday, we would read the Science Times together and pick out different stories and talk about them. And yeah. that infused me with my lifelong love of the Science Times. I so used to read it, too. The Science Times is fabulous. Yeah, I agree. Everyone should read it. Yep. There you go. Yep. Okay. The Science Times. Yep. Wow. Okay. Katie and Isaac <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Well, thank you for hanging in there with us. This has been a terrible week, but it has been lots of fun to do this podcast. If you enjoyed us, please rate, review, subscribe. Grab the phone from your friend's hands. Look us up. Search us on any of the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Don't grab the phone from your friend's hand unless you're wearing gloves. That's true. And don't get too close to them. Or wear a mask if you are okay. (laughs) Anyway, find a way to spread the word. Thank you for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a